Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Movies, a self-explanatory podcast. My name is Daniel Berrios and today I shall be talking about Bardo, False Chronicle of a Handful of Truths. Or Bardo, Falsa Cronica de Unas Cuantas Verdades. Bardo, for short, is directed by Alejandro González Iñárritu, uh, written by Iñárritu and longtime uh, friend and co-writer Nicolás Yacobone, and it stars Daniel Jiménez Cacho as Silverio. He's a journalist, documentarian, artist, I think they say in the movie, slash artist, whom kind of is living in two worlds there's one that he lives in america where he's wholly respected he's about to win this grand award for journalistic ethics and because of that and all the attention it gives him he has to go back home to mexico for like the first time in a couple decades and so it's the culture shock of not really a culture shock but it's more of the idea that like a prophet's not a prophet in his hometown, and so all of the chickens have essentially come home to roost as he comes home and deals with the past and deals with his identity. He is torn on, you know, being seen as, like, fully Mexican, and what does that Mexican heritage mean to him? And do you take the good with the bad of being Mexican? Do you take the good and the bad of being American? And, like, how do you navigate a world where... As an artist, you sometimes just want to be yourself and known as your individual self and not be tied down to any of these. So it's this sort of labyrinthine odyssey of insecurities and you know questions and contradictory thoughts and opinions. And it is a wild fucking movie. Uh, the trailer has the great Beatles song, I'm the Walrus, and that fits perfectly because, man, this is the closest you're going to get to a fucking fever dream. And the fever dream isn't shot in the sense of, like, a MCU film where there's a whole kaleidoscope in the background and then that's where we're going to see all the craziness. No, uh, Iñárritu is... Uh, first off, he's got... Uh, a fantastic oh my god i'm scrolling down imdb there's a shit ton of credited people in this a lot of these are extras uh cinematography is darius Conji, who y'all might know as the director of photography for uncut gems the production design by eugenio caballero you put these two forces together and you've got him being like taking a train ride and he's holding these two axolotls or mudkips in uh i hope to god somebody got that uh mudkips in uh, this little bag and then suddenly the train is filled with water and it's not cgi water they filled the fucking thing with water like he'll be hanging out in his house and then randomly it'll pop up like the beach is like in his room it's all covered in sand and the extent to which Iñárritu really allows us to live in these spaces that are, in a way, trap trappings of an like questioning mind or a uh, disturbed sense of self, 
but you treat it like reality is just insane. It is amazing what he's able to pull off in this thing. Uh, the most reductive way I could say it would be like, this is trippy ass Birdman. This is like Birdman meets, uh, fucking, uh, Burroughs novel. Is that what I'm, is that what I'm right? William Burroughs? The, the crazy guy. Like, a uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, that kind of thing. Am I right here? I hope I am. I think I'm right? Yes, okay, like a William S. Burroughs thing. Uh, That's kind of what I think this movie can boil down to uh, if you're into stuff like like Michel Gondry, you know, like Eternal Sunshine, I feel, borrows some type of visual flair. Uh, This movie will borrow some visual flair from something like that to where it is set in the real world, but the fantastic is constantly around and it's representative of one's mental state and shit. This is one of those movies that thankfully from minute five, you know what kind of movie you're getting into. The opening scene is wild. It is darkly comedic. It is bizarre. It is not quite an easy watch. I mean, it's, relatively easy compared to something like the revenant or whatever but yeah this is this is a weird one and if you're not on its wavelength early on you're not likely to be in the wavelength later on but i found myself so dialed into this thing even while like at work i'm watching this movie at work on my phone and yet i'm kind of glued into it I mean, the easiest way to explain, the easiest way to be glued into it is, is just some of the beautiful shots. I mean, Kanji is just, from like the opening, there are these uh, long uh, shadows in the frame, and there are these wide lens, like this fisheye lens on damn near everything. So it does feel weird. It does feel like I'm experiencing this thing from. Silverio's point of view but not quite in the right mind space but I love how like distant he is from the lens it always feels like we're trying to reach out and touch the guy but we're never quite able to get there it's almost like uh, we're watching a play despite being in the same room as the character there, there's some sort of like invisible uh, god uh, proscenium is, is that the word in, in stage play there's like a fourth wall sort of speak that it's invisible anyway uh, you never quite are able to access this guy and so whenever he's going off on somebody from his child from uh, like his early adulthood who is giving this guy shit for being a pretentious documentarian and like oh you're not into the truth of documentary you're not a journalist you're doing docufiction that type of shit and uh silverio's just breaking them down (laughs) uh i noticed that a lot of this felt uh pretty akin to something like i i feel personally related to this guy just his tendency to try and uh win every argument even if there was no argument to be won uh 
I notice that he'll stay real quiet whenever someone's going at him. It's almost like he, and I, no, it's not almost. I know he's doing this. He's just like dialing of, it's almost like he's loading a revolver with insults, just like waiting to break down a person after they're done firing their little jabs and shots. Like I can see that ruminating in his brain and it does that for me too. But at the same time, you can tell that behind the kind of like venom and exhaustion that comes from this guy, there's a really brilliant wit. And there's a guy who is so interested in, I guess, trying to tap into every part of his identity. But he's never satisfied with one full identity either. You know, it's, there's a line in the movie where they're asking him if he feels uh, more gringo or more Mexican. Gringo being a Spanish term for uh, white folks. The whites. But uh, while there is just pieces of his experience, like as an acclaimed journalist and documentarian in America, and then there's also, like, these are the kind of people that will reward him and give him accolades and celebrate him but then also want him to be sort of the token latin american uh mouthpiece that will share you know the safe latino you know what i'm saying there's some stuff like that in there which is its own inherent bit of racism and yet at the same time this is a guy that knows when he's being had and so he's able to you know link back to history and really celebrate the people that basically just said fuck you to any means necessary and there's a great sequence by the way whenever he's explaining the story of uh, los niños héroes which i won't dare go into because the movie goes into it and it shows the representation of the story and the one thing about Iñárritu is like man that guy will utilize a space he will use a crowd I don't think there's anybody really doing crowds like Iñárritu is he just goes for it tosses extras this camera's following all the action it's it's almost like it's gliding like it's on fucking skates or something he's just gliding through the frame and just a bombardment of colors and action and everything from side to side and it transitions damn near seamlessly so we'll be having just a regular conversation like between silverio and uh, an ambassador of the u.s and then boom it cuts into this uh representation of the story that silverio is telling but it's right there in front of him almost like christmas carol uh, ghosts of christmas past style like it's fucking nuts and i love the way by the way this movie is edited by iñarrito along with co-editor monica salazar so you can tell the feeling of like this guy just wants to glide in and out of this dude's mental state so it reminds me a little bit of Birdman in that sense. And while this isn't doing the whole one-shot take of Birdman, and that was to represent Michael Keaton's frayed state of mind, this one is kind of representing Sil- Silverio's frayed state of mind, but in a more jumpy, choppy, messy understanding of reality. You don't want to be linked in you don't want to have a real clue as to where you are in this guy's head at all times. So that's why it's jumping all around as is. Uh, I kind of, I don't want to leave without talking about some of the supporting cast, which I really do enjoy. 
first, I guess, on the docket is Silverio's wife, Lucia, played by, uh, forgive me, Griselda Siciliani, who I I like that she's his anchor. She's the one to first call him out on his bullshit and does it in such like an elegant, efficient way. It only really takes a glance from her to basically remind you that you have seen videos on one of his tirades again, talking about art and talking about how people of the younger generation don't respect the traditions and blah, 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 blah. There's a fantastic scene where he and his son, played by Iker Sanchez Solano, uh, who's playing Lorenzo. Lorenzo is his kid, and they're having an argument at the breakfast table, which basically boils down to all the generational thing of, like, the young kid doesn't understand what the old guy is trying to say, but the young kid understands way more than the old guy will ever allow, uh, will ever admit, basically. And the old guy's going on this tirade, which ultimately doesn't really make much of a lot of sense. And I just love how Lucia's in the background, kind of like watching this tennis match go down. And she knows exactly what to say. She knows she's I feel like her opinion is going to land exactly square in the middle where it needs to be every single time. And uh, she's one of the funnier parts of the movie. Uh, the opening with her is absolutely fucking hilarious, and I really, really liked her. Uh, I also like the daughter, Camila, played by Jimena La Madrid, who's got this sort of balance of American and Mexican identity down pat. And as someone, she reminds me of my dad, of all people. Like, my dad, uh, my dad was born in Manhattan, moved to Puerto Rico at five, where he met my mom, who's lived in Puerto Rico all her life, and then they, they both moved to the States. And the way that my parents have been able to juggle these identities are fascinating, because my mom has never, I guess, mentally, emotionally, or spiritually left Puerto Rico ever. Her uh, English is, I mean, she's lived here forever. She understands English pretty damn well, but the accent is still there, and she still like thinks in Spanish first. But when you watch my dad interact and you watch my dad talk and whatnot, he glides in out of both uh, respects like butter. You know, like it's second nature. And while I can halfway do that, while my Spanish isn't perfect at all, my mom jokes that my Spanish sounds like a macho camacho. It's a boxer who is known for getting hit in the face. But... Uh, I, I feel more like Lorenzo in that case because uh, I understand Spanish perfectly, but I can't speak it that well. But uh, Camila, the daughter, whom she's studying uh, in this movie, I think she's studying college in Boston and she's also visiting her dad. But she's able to glide between both of these worlds so effortlessly. And it reminded me of my dad and it made me jealous as hell of it because I do miss the I do want the ability to be able to pull that kind of thing off. And to have it not feel like a burden or a chore or uh, a labor. She seems to make it laborless. And my dad seems to make that laborless too. And I don't know if that helps contribute to maybe them not feeling of two worlds and not being able to really identify because uh, the way they can just navigate through their lives is so easy that it just is 
part of them. For as much as Silverio wants to talk about feeling like maybe we're from everywhere and nowhere at the same time, he never really quite fits in anywhere. Like, he's too, uh, he's got, like, this, I, like, the thing that's making him famous is a documentary about a Mexican experience that he does not have. But he doesn't have the white experience either because people give him shit in America and also he doesn't understand uh, some American customs too. So it's never really... It's never really kosher. And I guess that's why the movie is so scattered as it is just because there's never really a place for you to settle properly. And the closest that he gets would be Whenever he's with his children and he's really focusing and paying attention to them. And while he is consistently in danger of like going off the deep end and kind of diving into his own idiosyncrasies and insecurities. Whenever he's hanging out with his kids and his wife and is able to really kind of lock in on the the emotional beats of the moment. I think that's when uh, Gimenez Cacho gets sweeter as a result um he can be pretty fucking gnarly and vicious in this thing and man Aguimena Scacho is such a force and so much fun to watch uh I was reading an article that uh Carlos Aguilar wrote for uh the New York Times where he interviewed the three amigos uh Alfonso Cuarón and Guillermo del Toro and uh, Alejandro Gonzalez Iñárritu about their experience working with this guy because he's the only guy to work with those three directors known as the Three Amigos. And I think in one of them, they just described uh, Guimenez Cacho as like the one of the, gr- the greatest actor of his generation. Like a guy that takes things so seriously and is so willing to transform and really dive into a character and kind of open up. And it's fascinating. Like, physically is one thing. Because physically, he looks like Iñárritu. But uh, mental... Like, you see this guy in interviews, and he seems so meek and quiet. It's almost like a Daniel Day-Lewis type of gentle whenever he speaks. But then in this movie, he can be so wild, too. But, uh, by the way, if you haven't read that that article by uh, Aguilar, I'm going to post it in the... What's it called? I'm gonna post it in the description because I really do like the that way that played out, and it was a cool way to get to explore this guy's career through three of the greatest uh, directors working today. Um, I feel like I've been rambling for a little while. Have I been rambling that long? Not a lot. I've only been twenty minutes in. Um, uh, how do I explain this one? False chronicle of a handful of truths. Um, I kind of like some of the meta aspects of this where it almost seems like the movie is talking about the creation of the movie as it's going on. And there's a pretty good narrative explanation for all of that. It I don't think it would take too much to deduce that, if I'm honest with you. But, man... If you want to talk about a movie that kind of just sucks you in and glides you along this crazy journey, Bardo is it. And 
from like dance clubs to TV studios to him like going through a Mex uh, a city where people are just dropping like flies to him being in a desert like chasing after documentary footage is just there's always something to pay attention to and at the end i found this uh character study not necessarily to have like a thematic bow on it and i like that i like that it is so contradictory and i like that it is so chaotic and full of a smattering thing of ideas because it doesn't really feel like we need to you know understand everything about Silverio Gama in one breath and I don't think we ever will because that's not what humans are it just felt fiercely honest you know it was confused and it was questioning everything it like I think Iñárritu has said about this thing it had really no identity and that's fine and that's honestly the truth of what it's like to be human and just work through our shit and uh we're here for you know for a little bit of time whatever happens happens and then we're gone that's a, another three amigos quote uh but you know i i like that throughout this whole year the personal stories that have been told by some of my favorite directors just seem to let loose and really let go of this idea that we need to kind of sum up our story in one shot and really just go for the uncomfortable, weird, and uh, ill-fitting pieces of ourselves. Just because film is expressionist like that, you could just do that with film in a way that I don't think narrative in uh, like the written form would let you do. Like, I can't imagine this being a TV show, so to speak. Like, I really wouldn't think that would work. Just this sprawling type of uh, two-and-a-half-hour narrative, I think, really helps this thing. I kind of want to see the three-hour cut. Like, I want to see what the hell uh, was taken out of this thing. I'm pretty sure, like, a whole bunch of weird-ass crowd shots and just uh, surreal shit is in there. But uh, I feel to this the same way I would feel like something like a Kubrick movie. It doesn't make sense a good chunk of the time, but I don't ever really care. And I also don't ever really want it to end. I just kind of want to see how crazy and wild it can go. So, yeah. If you're into the weird shit, I would say watch Bardo and you know have yourself a good old time if you're a fan of the revenant but you uh sorry if you're a fan of birdman and you wanted it to get weird as fuck just go ahead and watch this thing if uh if you're somebody who is you know feeling of two worlds you know if you're latino growing up in the states and you know trying to access two parts of yourself and never really able to make that fit properly, I think this film would be good. 
But yeah, I'm not going to ramble for too much longer. Thank you very much for listening to another episode of The Movies. If you want to follow me, you can do so on Twitter at TheMovies underscore pod or Instagram at just TheMoviesPod. Or you can follow me on Letterboxd. I think it's letterboxd.com slash Daniel underscore Berrios. Everything's going to be in the description. Again, go and read the piece that Carlos Aguilar did with... uh, kind of like dissecting uh, Daniel Guinness Cacho's career through the eyes and voices of the three amigos. And until next time, I shall leave you with a song. It's by a band called El Mato a un Policía Motorizado, which translates out to He Killed a Motorcycle Cop. <laughs> and the song is called El Tesoro, The Treasure. And until next time, my friends, I'll take care. Paso todo el día pensando en vos. Ah, ah, ah,